Thank you for supporting Food Bank of Iowa. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. All right, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Zoom and Mahente, our friend from ESPN, coming up in about 20 minutes. Matt Snyder, likewise, he's, uh, on the, he's in the on-deck circle. I will talk a little baseball with our friend from CBSSports.com. You can make a difference this winter. Join Food Bank of Iowa in the fight against hunger. Every dollar donated creates four meals and offers hope during these cold months. Heat or eat. No Iowan should be forced to decide. If you can help, or if you need help, foodbankiowa.org, foodbankiowa.org. Let's talk to our friend Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com, a little MLB. Hello, Matt. Good to reconnect with you. Trent and Ken in Des Moines, how you been? I'm okay. Uh, I think after this, I'm going to have to go out and shovel about eight inches of snow off my driveway. So I guess I've been better. But I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, brutal. So you're in Chicago, correct? Or no, no, uh, north side of Indianapolis. Okay, north side of Indianapolis. So you got, and you're you're getting the cold. You is the snow gone, or is, didn't I see another system making its way, cutting right to? We're going to miss it. Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, uh, but aren't you getting hit again? Check. I might have to check. Yeah, I think we are. are. I'm not doing it now. There's no reason to do it again. <laughs> have to do it again. Well, let's talk baseball then. Let's let's get into the good stuff and pitchers and catchers around baseball. For the most part, I think about uh, two thirds of the teams report tomorrow. The next within the next couple of days, and here we go. Uh, I'm surprised that we're at this point. I thought that maybe they would uh, push it back a month, but they're not going to. But I'm more surprised, I think, Matt, that there was no resolution uh, when it came to the universe. Universal DH. I thought that that was something that uh, would be finally welcomed by the National League. Um, um, I'm I'm kind of torn. Kind of an old school uh, traditionalist. I, I like the strategy that goes into it in the National League, but at the same time, pitchers batting. Uh, you know, that's not a lot of excitement there. Are you surprised? No DH. A, a little, but it's. I, I think it more. It, it's less about the actual DH and more about the, the animosity between the two sides at this point. Yeah. And that's one thing where uh, the players know we're not going to give them expanded postseason unless they can do this, this, and this. The owners know we'll find we're not, we're not going to give a universal DH then, even though the owners probably really want the universal DH. It's just it's a bargaining chip. And uh, where it's going to be ugly this coming off season. Yeah. Uh, with the CBA being up and with the, the owners talking about how much money they've lost and with player salaries have been already going down before the pandemic. So the owners can't completely point to the pandemic and say, hey, we got screwed over when the player salaries were already going down as a percentage of revenue before it. Uh, so like I said, it's just a bargaining chip. And uh, I kind of did hold out hope that they would get together on that stuff. But when it didn't happen, it was like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense because they're bracing for a big fight. So the nuts and bolts of this season, one of the things that remember back to last July, I think it was the the day of 
the Yankees Nationals opener. They said, oh, uh, we're actually going to expand the playoffs and we're going to let yeah. what 16 teams in, I guess, all told. Any chance of that? Are we locked in to a 10-team playoff for this baseball season? Uh, before last year happened, <laughs> I would have said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. They're not going to change any rules once we get to spring training. But now, after having seen everything that happened, I I think anything's on the table. Okay. I think it's still possible that the week before the season, they say, oh, by the way, we did agree to Universal DH and expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that they are going to be continuing to talk about the upcoming CBA because they know how bad it's going to get. Uh, in the meantime, maybe revenues pick up with some teams maybe filling half capacity in spring training. Maybe maybe owners start to, to lighten up a little bit uh, as they see the way things are trending. Who knows? Uh, you know, maybe vaccinations pick up, maybe – you know, it's it's hard telling where we're going to go, but I think they'll continue talking. And uh, it would be stupid, in my opinion, to change anything once you've already gotten to spring training. But, hey, we saw a lot of stuff happen last year. Indeed. Uh, I, I think the uh, Big Ten and Major League Baseball are working hand-in-hand when it comes to some of this stuff <laughs> as, as far as when they make their, make their decisions. Well, So let's get into some of the teams, and let's start locally, if you will, with uh, you know our regional teams. And boy, the St. Louis Cardinals really got a shot in the arm, I thought, within the last couple of weeks when Arnado comes over from the Rockies. Um, look, I, I, I see the splits uh, when he's at Coors Field and when he's on the road, but this is a hell of a player, and he's a, as, as yeah. good of a third baseman uh, as, as you're going to find in baseball. In a division that really didn't spend a whole ton of money in this offseason, the Cubs, uh, they don't look as though they're going to be a, a player in this thing. We certainly hope that they will be. But boy, Cardinals, with what they did, they seem to be the clear-cut team to beat in the Central Division. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I, uh, before the trade... I was probably leaning toward picking the Cardinals in that division, but I, I would have said I think it's going to be close. I still think the Cubs are going to be decent. Uh, I think the Brewers will find a way to scrap their way into the 80s and wins, and, yeah, the bad division helps. Um, and the Reds aren't horrible, although they did get worse. Um, but before that trade, I think I was leaning toward Cardinals by, like, a game or two. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the dealing for Aaron Otto, that slings it. Uh, that's a 5-1 player right there. So, I think the Cardinals are probably comfortably the best team in the division. It's interesting. They haven't had a really good offense in a while. Um, And if you look now, with the upside they have, with Goldschmidt and Arenado, with the youngsters like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson coming along, DeYoung is no longer having to be a middle-of-the-order hitter. He's more of a six-hole. That's a guy who can hit 30 home runs from the six-hole. It looks like they might have a, a really good offense. Um, unfortunately for them, behind Flaherty, the pitching might might end up being a bit more of a mess. So it might be a bit of a role reversal for a team that's been a run prevention team. But I do think they're the best team in the division. You are a Cubs fan, as we uh, find out high and low throughout yeah. the course of the baseball yeah. season. Arietta comes back on a one-year deal, but some head-scratching moves. I'm just going to leave it open to you. The floor is yours hmm. on your Chicago Cubs. <laughs> uh, very weird plan of approach for the entire offseason to the point that I feel like something happened. Uh, I feel like they they had to trade you Darvish due to some kind of ownership mandate on money, and then I feel like something changed here within the last few weeks when they all of a sudden said, hey, yeah, we do have money to spend for starting pitching. Um, I understood shaking up the offense some, like with letting Kyle Schwarber go. I think the offense had gotten to a point where it, has, it was kind of a bad mix and they needed something to balance it out. I think if they could have swung it for Tommy Lestella, somebody who's a high high average, high contact guy, 
in the midst of all that swing and miss would have made a lot of sense. Unfortunately, didn't get that. But uh, I, a lot of head scratching for the offseason. The Arietta move, I loved it from a nostalgia point of view, but when you're replacing Hugh Darvish with this version of Jake Arietta, that's a big step down. Um, so, yeah, uh, ups and downs, mostly downs for the offseason, but they're still not terrible. It's still not a full-on rebuild. Now, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, all free agents after this mm-hmm. season, uh, Wilson Contreras after next. So they're at a bit of a crossroads right here with the World Series core, which uh, a decent portion of it's already gone. Indeed it is. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out, and I think we'll see some movement here during the season, maybe leading up to the season. So let's talk about what uh, I can't wait to watch, and uh, they are two regional teams, clearly the Twins, um, with what they've done, and I and I don't think they took a step back. And the White Sox are a team that's on the move. They bring in an innings leader like Lance Lynn. Uh, if, you put him in, if you put him behind Giolito, ahead of Keuchel, or behind Keuchel, that's a pretty good one, two, three. Uh, we know what robert did last year i mean he's going he's already a superstar uh twins and the white Sox. i think that's appointment television when those two get together absolutely i that's one of the things i'm looking most forward to this season is watching that race in the central i think the indians kind of take a step back and comfortably sit into third place but they won't be slouches or anything but uh yeah the twins and white Sox one two Put them any way you want right now, and I probably wouldn't argue. I love the Lynn move. Like you said, it's it's an innings eater, and it's easy to kind of forget about how good he's been at run prevention these last two years for the Rangers because they weren't contending. But he's been among the best in baseball the the last two years. Now you're throwing him in the middle of the rotation. That only helps the bullpen, too. If you get a guy who you know is going to work seven strong innings pretty much every time he takes the ball, you had Liam Hendricks at the end of that bullpen, replacement for Colome. But he's better. He, he's an absolute bulldog. That makes them better. Another year with all those young guys. But, yeah, the Twins, I don't think the Twins are going anywhere either. So it's going to be a great, great race. Uh, another guy I'm really looking forward to, Nelson Cruz. Just how much longer is he going to be able to slug like this? It's so fun. So is Trent. Yes, <laughs> love watching that guy. You know, when he came over two years ago, I remember remarking to Ken within the first probably week of that season, I knew Nelson Cruz, obviously, as a baseball fan. I've seen Nelson Cruz play. But being able to guy watch that guy game in and game out, just do his craft and do it at such a high level, those players are special. And at the age of 40, Matt, you know the numbers. The drop is precipitous. When you hit that age, for yeah. whatever reason, it comes and it comes fast. Well, we always say uh, Father Time is undefeated. It just depends yeah. on when. Except it's, for Brady. Uh, you chalk him, into the, <laughs> chalk him into the W column. Uh, so yeah, it's, we don't know if it's going to be this year. That's why I said I'm really interested because when he's going Goodwill like he has been forever, it's great to watch. But you know, at some point that's it, going to break down. So uh, hopefully it holds off for a little bit because I, I'd love to see him continue to inject life into that. Uh, burgeoning Twins-White Sox rivalry. The Dodgers go into the year looking for back-to-back titles after winning their first in over 30 years a season ago. They are the prohibitive favorites. Which is crazy to think about that it was that long, isn't it? And the amount of money that they had spent over the last 10, 12 years and finally breaking through. But they go out and do more. They continue to build to this team. They have a front office that not only has money, but also does it right at the minor league level and developing guys. But it is still baseball here. Is is having this behemoth and, and it being a team like the Dodgers, how good is that in your mind for baseball? 
Um, I don't think it's bad yet. Uh, they've only won one, and it was a 60-game season. So mm-hmm. you even have the point where a bunch of the people who don't like the Dodgers can say, yeah, that was a fake title. That didn't count anyway. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't even in front of a full house. It wasn't even on the You didn't have to play any road games. So it's definitely not bad yet. If they win the next three, okay, well, maybe we need to start to talk about it. But for right now, I think we're okay. Uh, it is an incredible organization. It was just – Maybe funny is the wrong word, but hey, you know, I don't know how many Dodgers fans you have listening, so I guess I'm okay to say it. It was funny that they couldn't win it for as long as they did with the resources they have, and as good as their minor league system was, the organizational depth was just ridiculous. Um, in a way, it was good to see so many good people. You know, Dave Roberts, Clayton Kershaw, just to name two off the top, to see them finally get a ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Roberts had a player, I meant as a manager, but. Um, yeah, now it's back on. Uh, I don't think it's bad for the game yet. Uh, it's it's kind of good, actually, when it's like a large market behemoth that a lot of other fan bases hate. You know, people have been – it's ingrained in their heads to hate, like, the Dodgers and the Yankees, mm-hmm. as long as they're not fans of those teams. So to have them at the top and have somebody like the Padres, the plucky underdog, trying to take them <laughs> down, I think that's great for baseball. All right, it's gonna that those two teams are gonna be fun. Uh, Snell and Darvish uh, uh, putting them in that rotation in San Diego. It's not gonna be the Giants and the Dodgers that are gonna provide us with some late no. night entertainment. It's gonna be the Pods and the Dodgers. My last thing for you, maybe Trent's got one more. Uh, can you make the case that the most competitive division in baseball this year is the National League East with the Braves, uh, with the Mets? They've had a phenomenal off season. The Marlins seem like they're on their way up. The Nationals will be off of their World Series hang. Over, uh, I'm not sure about the Phillies, uh, but certainly I think that's the deepest division in baseball. Would you go there? Yes, I, I was actually hoping that was the division you were going to say when you started to ask yeah. it. So yeah, we're on the same page. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the the Braves are obviously still the class of the division for me, but the Mets have really closed that gap. They had a really good offseason. I know it's funny to think of disappointment because they didn't land Bauer or Springer, but they traded for Lindor and Carrasco. Right. I mean, come on. That's a heck of an offseason in and of itself. Now, if you get Noah Syndergaard back at some point from Tommy John surgery, when you already have Stroman, Carrasco, oh, and by the way, Jacob DeGrom, probably still the best Hmm. pitcher in baseball. That's an incredible rotation. They have a great offense. The bullpen can be fickle, as bullpens are, uh, but I still think there's upside at Edwin Diaz. It, It feels like a confidence game for me. And to add May to the back of the bullpen there, that that's a good signing to shore up the back end there if they do have problems with Diaz again. Um, yeah, and, and you know, the Phillies, 28-32 and 32 last year, if that was a regular, a normal 162-game season, they're right in contention to get hot. And they had they won 10 of 11 at one point. They were too streaky. They have a pair of aces. They have superstar offensive talent. There's no reason to write them off. Obviously, we know about the Nationals and their three aces. And then you had the Marlins as a playoff team advancing last mm-hmm. year. So, yeah, it's it's a fun division. Finish up with this. Mention the Dodgers at the top. Who's the favorite in your mind out of the American League? Who's the team that will be, if not your pick, the, thing, the team that you think has the best chance there? Rays made it a year ago. Are we back to the Yankees again? Buffalo Blue yeah, Jays. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, the Blue Jays are. I, I'm going to have the Blue Jays in second, and the Rays in third in mm-hmm. that division. I think the Blue Jays are going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Hard to tell with their starting pitching. There's a lot of variance in there. You have guys that could be awesome or terrible. Uh, just to think about Robbie Ray is it, just kind of the way it could go. 
uh, youngster like Nate Pearson, you don't know. But I love the Blue Jays, uh, especially on offense. They're really fun. But I, I think it's the Yankees. They, they just have so much offensive firepower. Severino's back to team with Cole in that rotation. It's still somewhat iffy behind them, but they have such a good bullpen. Just so much power on offense. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the Yankees. But, hey, it's are, are they our new Dodgers? I know it's been since 2009, but that's like an eternity <laughs> from the Yankees yeah. to not win at all. Or if they don't get it done again this year, are we going to start saying, hey, man, is this group ever going to win it? <laughs> That's interesting. I think the White Sox boys, uh, that that to me, um, yeah. I, I really like this team this year. Uh, Matt, listen, it's great to reconnect with you for the first time in 2021 for the first of what we hope are many, many times if your schedule will allow. CBSSports.com is where you can read Matt Snyder, one of their stable of outstanding MLB writers over there. Matt, thank you. All right, have a good one, guys. You do the same. Matt Snyder talking baseball here with Miller and Condon. i got a spring in my step. I love baseball season. I'm right there with you. you got a team that's going to be fun to watch. I do. So do you. I mean, your twins are yes. going to be good, but the Blue Jays, yes, I agree. I would like to find out more why Pakoda hates the White Sox so much. I don't get it. I don't either. What are we missing? The four and five starters? That's a part. The bullpen, the depth of the bullpen. Okay. They're going to score a bunch of runs. Larusa, button heads. Yeah, with, you know what? I don't think that's part of the analytical no, system. No, but that's an interesting point. Did they hire the right guy? There? I don't think so. I don't either. I think this is going to be a disaster. Yeah, I'm with you. The, I do not. The DUIs aside, well, you can't put those aside. They're right. part of him, and it I'm is. not minimizing him. Right. I'm criticizing and, him for that. And also coupled with the way that he reacted to them. Right. Yeah, as importantly, yes, you know, contrition, right? right Because uh, you know, somebody busted him Mm -hmm. after the story he thought was just going to go away. That BS. Um, But him and he's not the right skipper, Trent. I'm with you. How does he connect with these young dudes? Juan Moncada, who is needs to be coddled a little bit, at least early in his career. You think that's going to go well? The guy that he's obviously a brilliant mind. Yes, a brilliant baseball man. It's not to take away the accomplishments of what he was, mm-hmm. but it was a was. I don't see the evolution happening for him. I don't see him morphing in to the kind of guy with this talented team mm-hmm. that's going to push all those right buttons. I think it's him, and it's Kopit, and it's Cease. I mean, anytime, depends what night you tune in and watch Cease. It's usually one awful start. One really good start, and then a couple of... A couple of really unbelievable innings, and then boom, oh, collapse. Yeah. Well, he gave up a five spot in the fourth. <laughs> right. He was cruising along. Yeah. Three perfect innings, and then that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that back end is a problem. That offense is going Ooh. to score. Twins, White Sox. Hello. When did they see? When did we see them for the first time? Have you taken a peek at any of the not, schedules? I haven't, I haven't either. I haven't. I have not got to that point. I didn't point. think we were going to see baseball in April. I was kind of hoping we wouldn't. Yeah, you that, that was your May. level. Push things back. Yeah, play one forty, something like that. Yeah, buck, yeah, buck forty, buck forty-two, whatever it would be. I think that's plenty. I enjoyed last year. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was well. A was the first sport to return, right? That so helped. we were off the. Um, yeah, that elevated Zuba Mahente coming up, but not until we give you a chance at another thousand dollar slam dunk. Text the keyword Bills. 
to 200 200 right now it's your chance at a thousand dollars bills to 200 200 you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest zubin mehente trent and i will go around the world of sports with our friend from espn radio and miller and condon come back on des moines sports station 1460 kx and owen 106.0 Trek Cotton here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always 1-800-BETS-OFF. Man, our equipment is just dirty. Well, you need to call Washer Systems of Iowa. We need a heater in here. Washer Systems of Iowa's got heaters. This floor is a mess. Washer Systems of Iowa is Iowa's pressure washer experts featuring Mighty M Pressure Washers. This is Jeff Egley of Washer Systems of Iowa. Our crew, led by Tony Poff and Marco Solis, can find the power washer to clean your equipment and the heater to keep your garage warm during the cold winter months. Washer Systems of Iowa, 6050 Northeast 14th Street in Des Moines. An exclusive dealer of Mighty M. Unlocks and additional fees may apply. It's that time of year. The cold weather is here. The Animal Rescue League wants to remind you that unpredictable winter weather can be very dangerous for your animals. We encourage you to bring them inside this time of year. Animals should not be left in cars and should only be outside long enough to relieve themselves. If you witness a situation where an animal is in danger due to weather conditions, call your local law enforcement or animal control. This message brought to you by the Animal Rescue League and NCMIC. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 0 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's get our friend Zubin Mehente his weekly spot as we go around the world of sports with our friends from our friend from ESPN Radio Mornings with Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Will. Zubin joins us. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, how you been? Good morning. Ton of stuff going on, right? JJ Watt, yes. Galen Johnson, no lack of things to talk. No, indeed. I see the Cleveland Browns. They think they're the favorites for JJ. Look, it kind of makes sense. But if you want to get to a Super Bowl, are you going to really hit your wagon to the Browns? They're good. It's yeah, it's an interesting thought. Obviously, that would allow them to uh, see TJ Watt twice a year, or yes. maybe three, considering the Browns yeah. and the Steelers played three times this past season, but. Maybe that just goes to show you where the player perspective is on the Browns. I think you're right. Us in the media, kind of skeptical. Mm -hmm. They sort of hit their Peter principle when they took on the Chiefs. They were there, but not quite good enough. 
Uh, but maybe that just shows you the window of what players think of the organization and the way uh, that it's building. You're right. I think we're more skeptical on the outside, but if he's considering them, it might be the best indication yet that indeed it's okay to believe in the Browns. Uh, Zubin, it, it, I get the latest is always the greatest, right? But it just seems that we're on the cusp of maybe the wildest, uh, maybe the most memorable. We might think back 10 years. Well, remember 2021, how crazy the NFL offseason with all the quarterbacks that are potentially going to be on the move uh, with a guy like a J.J. Watt who's going to be finding another city. I, I just think that this might be like it, it's a it's a 52-week league we get it even though when they're not playing we're folk we're paying attention to the nfl but doesn't it just seem like this offseason might be crazier than most yeah i think what's going to temper it right now and i agree with you when all is said and done i think there's going to be a ton of movement right now from what our guys are telling us and we have our front office insider mike tannenbaum is really interesting and i and i and i told him i said mike this can be a great opportunity for you to help fans across the country this season understand how unprecedented it might be. Now with Bill Polian gone and not too many other guys filling that role on television. And that is, I think you're right. I think something big is coming. But we still don't know what the salary cap is going to be. And as many people have said, if you really want to make a deal, you can make a deal no matter what. I mean, think about how much leverage the Rams have given up with regards to draft picks to just sign guys to big money deals. But to your point, I think once we know, I think the floor is going to be about 175, but if the salary cap is, let's say, $10 million more than that, or there's a decrease in the salary cap for the first time ever, which will probably be a momentary blip because once ESP and NBC, CBS, and Fox, I think, <laughs> unless it's Amazon or somebody, once they all decide to re-up their NFL deals for monstrous amounts of money, uh, regardless of what the Super Bowl ratings were, there's nothing on TV that that can bring fans together like the NFL, especially men, guys that spend money. I think the cap will obviously increasingly go up. But I think until we know what that number is, it's going to be hard to make moves. A team like the Bucks, for example, you know, we were discussing the other day, you know, the Eagles tried to form a super team, the Redskins back when they were called the Redskins, the Washington football team tried to sign a super team. Both of those teams ended up 8-8. Eight eight. I think you can make an argument that the Bucks are obviously on their way yeah. to being a super team as long as that lasts. You don't really know how long that's going to last. But even a team like Tampa Bay that's got Chris Godwin, that's got Levante David, that might want to bring in uh, some attractive free agents of their own to play with Tom Brady, bring back Gronk, whatever the case may be. I think they need to know where the cap is. And right now, um, nobody can definitively tell you that number. Zubin, quarterback position, the lead-up to the draft – is going to be a huge part of this too. And as Ken mentioned, just how crazy this offseason is going to be, how that's going to play out. I want to get your perspective, though, on all the pomp and circumstance that you guys at ESPN did, NFL Network, the ACC Network, on Trevor Lawrence. And hmm. everybody, it feels like to a T, says this guy is can't miss. But mm-hmm. you know the business. Are we going to be here in the coming months looking to turn over those stones, trying to find something, <laughs> trying to find those knocks because you got segments to fill and you need to get people flipping on the TV, clicking on the articles on ESPN.com. Is that what we're trending toward next with Trevor Lawrence? I think so. And I will tell you, he, he is not 100% sold. Now, I don't think he <laughs> seems like he's overrated. He's not saying yeah. that. He's not 100% sold. He is also a very big proponent of not a huge fan of the tall quarterback. 
whether it's Brock Osweiler or, mm-hmm. you know, Dan McGuire or wherever, Patrick Lynch, wherever you want to go, he's never been a fan of the super tall quarterback. He's a big fan of six four and six. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, for your quarterback, Manning was six four. Tom was about six four. You know, that's six four sort of height. So uh, that's not the reason he's down on him. I think not down on him. I would just say that he is not as like over the moon as like um, Greg McElroy is a great example. Greg comes on our show a lot. He knows Trevor well. Covers you know lives down there. All that stuff in the south, and he's over the moon on Trevor Lawrence, as are most people. Um, but, we, you know, we aired the Pro Day on ACC Network. We also aired it on ESPN2, which isn't the biggest thing in the world, but it's certainly a bigger platform than ACC, so we gave him his due. You saw 17 teams there. The only, I mean, Meyer was standing behind him like he was, like, his fullback. I mean, he was standing, like, right there behind him. So I, I also think, to your point, Fred, not only are we going to poke holes and figure out what's going on with Lawrence, nitpick his last college game, which wasn't great, but we're also just going to tie him into Meyer. And that's probably unfair for the kid because I don't think he did anything wrong. But as you know, Urban has taken, obviously, with the Doyle thing, he's just mm-hmm. taken a tremendous amount of heat. And at this point, I don't think you can talk about one without the other because it just seems obvious that he's going to be going to the Jags. So not only do I think we'll dig into Trevor Lawrence and, and find some things, uh, but I do think just his association with Meyer is probably going to lead to a whole bunch of stories. Uh, as well. It was very notable to see Meyer and Sweeney standing next to each other on Friday <laughs> when they'd been opposing each other for so long, and now they're putting their heads together to try to make this thing work with Trevor at the next level. So I think the association with Meyer will keep Lawrence alive in the news cycle as well. Uh, Zubin, let's switch uh, from the NFL to college basketball. And when you... Um... You know, when you have, say, a Seth Greenberg or Alfonso Ellis or one of your, uh, one of the many, uh, outstanding analysts that, uh, that appear with you, just trying to find that other team, right? We've seen some props that have come out, Gonzaga and Baylor versus the field. Uh, just trying to find that team from the field. Uh, who, who consensus wise, who are a couple of teams, you know, that, that are being thrown out? Well, don't overlook X. Who is X when you're talking to those folks? The, the team I hear more often than any other is Florida State. That's mm-hmm. the one team I hear more than any other. I mean, obviously, Gonzaga and Baylor are just head and shoulders ahead. Yep. I mentioned this year, I think, last week. I mean, look, I mean, I think this season has been a, a disaster, but it can be salvaged with the notion that, I mean, you know, even college basketball, which is, you know, gripping for support right now, but if it were to be undefeated Baylor and undefeated Gonzaga to play for the national championship, we've never had two undefeated teams right. play for the national title. I think that could actually rescue the entire season. Me too. It would take a long time to get there, and the payoff would have to be a great game. And, you know, we could only hope at that point it would be a great game. But I would tell you, Florida State, I mean, not been even ranked a few weeks ago, the job that Leonard Hamilton has done, what they did last night, I just think it's one of those teams that a lot of people just sort of feel like is under the radar. I think Michigan is another one, but, you know, because of the three weeks off, and granted, don't get me wrong, they look good on Sunday, mm-hmm. and they rallied from 14 down to win. But they've also had a couple of stub-your-toe-type moments. For whatever it's worth, we had Dillis on the other day. I think, I think it was the other day, last week. And he said, no doubt about it, Garza's still your runaway player of the year choice. I think it's tightened a little bit. I certainly think there's a couple of other guys you can put into the mix. And obviously, he would be nowhere near the draft consideration board. Um, but just for your audience, you know, Dillis certainly seems to think he's far and away uh, the player of the year. But I think Florida State and then maybe the Wolverines just a touch behind them. That's what I've heard the most. Can I just jump in here just real quick as an aside? Um, 
I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jay Billis because it reminded me the Billis and Sean McDonough had the uh, ACC tilt of Virginia, Florida State. Like, I love Shulman and Billis when they're together. Shambi's outstanding. Benetti, whoever he works with, is really good. But Sean McDonough, um, He's, he's clearly amongst the best in his craft, whether it's a Saturday in the fall or a cold winter night. Uh, th- this guy's a pro's pro. I'll take you back. Um, you know, I would actually take you back to baseball, which is really where he formed his name. I had a chance to work with Sean. We worked on the, I think it was the Battle Frog. All the sponsors <laughs> But I think I worked with him in the Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. It's Ohio State and Notre Dame. Remember the game that Jalen Smith got hurt? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, like, it was like, I think, McDonough, Spielman, McShay, and myself. I was just on the game crew that particular day. And we just, yeah, I handed, we handed the trophy to Meyer after the game or whatever. So I was working with him. I didn't really work with the game crew. I was working at, for SportsCenter. They said, run over and do this. I had a chance to talk to him. I think one of the things about McDonough is people don't realize he also was like one of those sort of prodigy-type guys. We talk about Costas getting to the network in the 80s, Nance joining CBS at 26 years old, Joe Buck getting there pretty quick, Tariko pretty quick, the ESPN, 25 years old. I think he was at ESPN. So it's one of those things where he's kind of in that group, but I've never heard him mentioned in that group, right? Mm-hmm. In that group of sort of prodigy guys. But baseball was his first thing, longtime announcer, for the Red Sox and then obviously going on to do college basketball and, and college football and working his way up all the way to the number two guy on college football was the voice of Monday Night Football as well there for a short period of time. But I agree. I think when you talk about the guys that have stood the test of time and have been there for 40 years, like, you know, to be hmm. there for 40 years, you kind of have to start in your 20s. Right. You know, you can get to your Pat Summerall's. You can get up there and do 40 years when you're in your 70s and your 80s, you know, like Dr. Jack did for a while with this two in the NBA. But it's one of those things where I think he's not often included in that group of guys. Um, but I think he is every bit as talented, and he's been around every bit as long. I agree with you totally. He's just, for whatever reason, not mentioned in that elite group, but he's an elite guy. You mentioned to me right before we came on the air, Zubin, that uh, you had a little blow-up. Key was going after, what was it, Greenberg? What, what was going on this morning? You got fireworks on the set? I thought you were supposed to be the controlled cop. What's going on? Yeah, I lost control. I, and I <laughs> control. When those things happen, I just get out of the way. Um, but it's one of those things where the Jalen Johnson was a really big deal this morning. Yeah. And uh, before the show starts, and I know you guys do this too, you know, we just go over all the audio, all the great sound bites that came in overnight, and we just played Seth Greenberg uh, from Monday night, just calling Jalen Johnson a quitter. <laughs> just, uh-huh. He's got a straight quitter. And Jay heard it, and he was beside himself because, uh, Jay said, listen, I have some intel. And, you know, obviously he's connected to the Duke program. Yeah. He said, uh, you know, look, you know, his family just didn't get along with Coach K. Just didn't get along with him. That's, that's the deal. And he left. And so a couple of different times on the show, Greenberg's an avid listener of the show, which we appreciate. There's been a couple different times. So he's actually texted me during the show, and we end at 10 a.m. Eastern. He'll text me. He's like, can I come on at 940? 940 is our last segment. And he's like, I got something to say. And usually when he texts me directly, like he doesn't call in, he just texts me, I need to come on. He goes off. And he's come on and talked about Kyrie. And he just come on a couple times before. This time around, he was texting Jay and the producer. Like he was so hot because we were kind of going off on him about calling Jalen Johnson a quitter. So Seth comes on, basically says, number one, he quit on the team. Number two, he, uh, if he was hurt, quote unquote, hurt with his foot, why did he play in the last two contests? Number three, he got out of there because his draft stock was slipping. Number four, mm-hmm. 
he's a guy that went into college and thought like a lot of other kids that go in that are one and done, this is going to be easy. I'm going to get my touches. I'm going to be great. And like a lot of kids this year, and although the circumstances are different this year with the virus and not being assimilated the same way, it just didn't work. And I think Greenberg thinks that he thought it was frustrating. I'm just not getting my touches. This isn't great. My family's not getting along with the coach. My draft stock is done. I'm out. Jay came in and basically said, well, you know, here's, here's what I'm hearing. And he obviously has some great insight. And then he went right at Coach Greenberg. I was really surprised. I was sitting there in the commercial break. they seem pretty like, close, Subin. Yeah, what's that? They seem pretty close when they work together. Yes. And I said, yes. And I said, he, I mean, I was like, is he going to make it personal here? But I was like, that'd be good radio if he made it personal. <laughs> so I was like, let me just lay it back. He basically said to Greenberg, he's like, you can say what you want, Seth. Because Seth was railing on him because the guy went to three different high schools in three years before he got to Duke. He'd be really happy, Dylan Johnson. He was like, look, man, I went to three high schools in four years. I turned out okay. And then he went right for him and said, were you quitting on um, Long Beach State when you left to go to South Florida? Were you quitting on South Florida when you left to go to Virginia Tech? I was like, whoa, 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 here Mm -hmm. we go. And Seth said essentially, look, man, I never quit in the middle of the season. I always had a buyout. He uh, he wasn't buying the buyout, saying you still left the program. So it was passionate. The guys were great. Um, Seth is always bringing it 100 miles an hour, so I knew it was going to be great. But it's pretty remarkable. I mean, this is the number one prospect and the number one program. I know they're not ranked number one. And it suddenly became the number one issue uh, in the sport. But to see those three guys go at it this morning around 8.30 Eastern time, it was just one of those things where – you just sort of realize that, you know, he is totally coming at it from the player's perspective. You know, I got nothing to lose except possibly millions of dollars. So I'm getting out of here. I got a foot injury anyway. And Coach Greenberg's like, if you're going to be here, you're going to be here. If you're not, you're not. It was just, it was a fascinating, fascinating discussion. Decibel level was, was very, very high. <laughs> well, I, I don't have the sound on, but I'm watching Seth Greenberg last night on the set at halftime of the, as Florida State blew out Virginia. So I will uh, bookmark that and, and go back uh, and watch it. So, but last thing, uh, an NBA nugget. Um, Blake Griffin's getting paid a half a million dollars a game not to play while they figure out what his future is going to be. I mean, I get protecting the asset, but I, but really kind of resonated when... And that's NBA's contracts. I get it. Half a million dollars for a regular season game, one of 82. That's the bank this dude's getting? Yeah, I mean, I think he's being paid on the type of player he used to be and not Uh the player he is. There's a decent percentage chance here that he's just going to get released. The NBA trade deadline is March 25th, so he could get released. Andre Drummond is actually going through the same thing. He's with the Cavs right now, and they're not literally playing him. Um, in order to trade him and make sure he doesn't get hurt. And one other sideline I would mention to what you're talking about with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond is Draymond Green went off yesterday because there was an interesting double standard that was brought to the table. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I, I actually tend to agree with it. Draymond said yesterday he beat the Cavs by 31 points, but the reason he brought it up is because Drummond is not playing as the Cavs look to deal him and want to make sure he's healthy when he gets dealt so they can get the value in return. And Dre brought up a good point. He goes, if you are the Cleveland Cavs and you sit Andre Drummond with the explicit concern of trading him to make sure he's healthy when he's dealt, there is no penalty for the team. However, if you're an NBA player and demand to be traded, you will be fined. Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis was fined $50,000 when he was at the Pelicans before he got traded to the Lakers. And he famously walked into the arena one day with the Zach all folks like the old cartoon, that's all, folks, saying, I'm out of here. But Dre brought up a great point with all these guys that have tons and tons of money owed to them by somebody. 
if the team is willing to sit them and saying we're waiting for the right offer, no penalty for the team. But if the player comes out and says, I want to be dealt, the player gets fined. Very interesting double standard. Never really thought about it like that, but it's something that Draymond brought up yesterday as Griffin and Drummond are two of the biggest names uh, on the trade block, which again, as I mentioned, is March 26th. Have a wonderful week, Subin Mahente. We'll talk to you in seven days. Thanks, Subin. Hey guys. Good to talk to you. Zuba Mahente, ESPN Radio, uh, along with uh, Jay Will and Keyshawn Johnson. Sound like it got a little animated this morning. That's fun. Yeah, yeah it used to be. Yeah. Not anymore. Nah, too old. <laughs> yeah, we don't holler at each no, other no, very no, often. Look, I went through a period of that, man. Well, yeah. as did I. Right. Uh, but it was good. It was good radio. Anyways, um, or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It wouldn't be good radio today. Back then, it's changed so much, this format. Right. It really and truly has. And I'm not saying it's for the... I think it's for the better. Yeah. I do. Anyways, we'll come back. I just saw this little nugget, just real quick, before we leave you. Zeb Nolan, former Cyclone, is the starting quarterback for the Bison. Did you know that? I, I knew didn't. he was the backup up there. I didn't and know that. I thought maybe there'd be a young guy after Trey Lance... This is the young guy after Trey Lance. <laughs> well, Zeb's what three, four years older, probably than Trey uh, Lance. He's uh, he's, uh, he's twenty three years old. Yes, he's not the young guy after Trey Lance. We'll uh, see. We saw Zeb at Iowa State. Hmm. Briefly, not at the same line of the Carson Wentz, the Trey Lances, Seems, uh, the Easton Sticks stick, of yeah. the world. Seems like a. Where is he? He made the league, didn't he? As a as a third string, did he? I think he did. Maybe he didn't. Anyways, uh, Easton Stick making the Miller and Condon radio what program. What a great here. name. Well, it's a hockey stick. That's why, that's why it resonates Omaha with me. Omaha kid. Is he? Yeah. Uh, and I learned more about him uh, before we get and out of here. a young hockey player. That's where the name came from. We will take a timeout, come back. It's, it, folks, you want to listen to this. Uh, my partner's on a roll. Hot. He is red hot. What's his release of the day? It's coming up next. 1460 KXNO and 10. Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. Well, I did it. I had my vasectomy procedure with the Urology Center of Iowa. It was quick, efficient, and I was in and out in less than a half hour. The big bracket for college hoops is coming out soon. If you want an excuse to chill on the couch while watching wall-to-wall basketball, then it's time to make the call to the Urology Center of Iowa to schedule your vasectomy. Call 515-400-3550 or online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it on KXNO. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes, literally, of a uh, Tuesday here. A couple of uh, things. Uh, Shelby Mass, our bracketologist, he lives in Texas. He has no power, no phone. So that's uh, on us that we never even thought about that angle for things. Uh, Of course, Iowa State, Oklahoma State coming up today at 3. If you can't be in front of your internet for ESPN+. Plus, Of course, the game plays down the hall here. 100.3, the bus, home of Cyclone Athletics. All right. Trent Condon, you are hot. Uh, what is your play of the day? Got a lot of games today, and it's not a big slate of games. I was kind of surprised. I was expecting to see a little bit more. It's overall in terms of volume light, but there's a lot that are going to be on my docket. My favorite play, though, of the night, mm-hmm. I'm looking at two, and I'm going to end on this one. All right. It is a short SEC price. I normally like the holding team here. Not the case. I'm going against Tom Crean and the fighting Georgia oh, Bulldogs. Going to lay the points. Going to lay the three and a half with Mizzou. Something I They've don't been Jekyll and Hyde lately. Oh, they are. They look really good at times, yeah. and they can look off. Well, the Alabama game two Saturdays ago, a perfect example mm-hmm. within that game. 
for 30 minutes, yeah. 32 minutes, they looked incredible and almost blew the 20-point lead. Uh, Iowa State, getting 11. You like that if more I than I If I was playing and I'm not, yeah. I, I would take them. One of these days. One of these One days. of these days. We're running out of those days. Kate Cunningham. He's back today. Yeah, and he didn't play against the Clones uh, back in January. Murph and Andy at two. Fanatics at four. Uh, Cyclone uh, Insider's not tonight. I believe right. is it the Hawkeyes? I don't know if they're flip-flopping. I would anticipate. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.